It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Kevin, we're at the halfway stage of the conference season. We got a clear number one up at the top, but we also have a couple of teams from the middle to the lower third of the league beginning to emerge as contenders or perhaps even cockroaches, you know? A couple of teams that, you know, fall into the potato salad and mess things up for the picnic for everyone else. I was just going to say, John, this is no picnic in the Big East <laughs> right now. There's Great minds think alike. <laughs> not, not only, you know, you have a national power like Seton Hall who, you know, they win 10 in a row, stub their toe a little bit, and then bounce back with a really important road win at Georgetown. And then you have these other teams lurking that you make reference to, Xavier and now Providence. Providence, you know, had five straight games against top 25 teams Took it on the chin the first three and then bounced back with a huge road win at Butler and then take care of business against Creighton at home. You can't count the Friars out yet either. Back-to-back top 25 wins has got to put them back on the radar. Conference play is well now into week six. Seton Hall continues to set the pace at the top of the pack. Villanova still hanging on to the two spot after a couple of losses to top 25 ranked teams within the league. And that's where you find things getting really, really thick. Butler, Creighton, Marquette, and Providence all have six wins, and charging hard from the bottom third of the league is Xavier. With two road wins to open up February play, no doubt gives the Musketeers and their fans a little bit reason to feel a little bit better about themselves. You know, at two and six, I'm sure they weren't feeling good about themselves at all, the Musketeers, but uh, Tyreek Jones is as hot as any player in the country. 18 rebounds in both of his last two games. Just get out of the way when the big man is hitting the glass like that, and you know, they now are home against Providence. Uh, they have, I, I believe, it's three of the next five at home. Xavier's in position to still get an NCAA tournament bid. Their non-conference schedule and wins were strong enough, I think, to certainly get them some run here. Helped a lot, and they're 45th in the net with three uh, quad one wins. But so do, they're in position. Do we think, however, though, that really to make this legitimate that you've got to finish no worse than 500 in league play? I think so. You know, if there's going to be a, a, a sub-500 team out there in the country, you know, it's probably from the Big 12 or the Big East. Uh, everyone says the bubble is very messy this year. I totally agree. I don't think it's out of the ordinary from previous seasons, but with the Big East and the Big 12, those two teams, you could see an 8-10, and 10, but you need to have a really sparkling non-conference. For example, I don't think Providence can be 8-10 and 10 because they lost six non-league games. Xavier, you know, Solid, non-conference, not off the charts. St. John's? Uh, St. John's has got a long way to go to get to eight. But St. John's with the uh, you know, the West Virginia win especially mm-hmm. looks really good for, for the Red Storm. But 10 and 8 looks really good in this league right now. Sure. At midweek in the net ranking system, the 10 Big East teams were all ranked in the top 76 of the 353 Division I programs in the country. With half of the league, five teams ranked in the top 25 of the net. Also at midweek, the Big East remains as the top conference in league RPI, ahead of the Big 12 and the Big 10. So with that, let's jump into our Big East headlines. As mentioned, Seton Hall continues to set the league pace at the halfway point with an outstanding 8-1, now 9-1 record, and began a stretch of three out of four on the road this week with a seven-point win at Georgetown Wednesday night. This 
after having a 10-game winning streak snapped by Xavier last weekend. In that Seton Hall game against the Hoyas, Miles Powell again led the way, scored 34 points, backed up by an ably and emerging star in Jared Roden. Another eight block shots in the middle from the ultimate rim protector in Romaro Gill. The Pirates have a two-game lead on Villanova, and more about a Saturday showdown coming up. Villanova lost twice this past week. Stop the presses. That is newsworthy, but lost both to AP Top 25 teams in Creighton and Butler. Since the Cats have won five of their previous six regular season titles, it's hard to imagine Villanova falling completely by the wayside. And that logjam in the middle you're seeing, four teams with six wins and only a game and a half out of second place. Providence is perhaps the slight surprise here with two straight wins over AP Top 25 teams. One on the road at Butler, another at home, and a 17-point win over Creighton. And this after the Blue Jays blasted Villanova by 15 in Philly. Kev, it's getting crazy as we roll into February. Well, how about Creighton's weekend? You know, they, they go into the Wells Fargo Center, shoot the lights out against Villanova, their best win of the season, a, 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 a win that you want to show the NCAA tournament committee, wow, you know, we can beat a top 15, top 10 team on the road. Yeah. It doesn't get any better. Yeah. They stay on the road. You know, they have a little Italian food in Providence, and they're feeling good about themselves. And then the Friars <laughs> have their best shooting game of the Big East by far, mm. uh, make uh, – you know, 12 three-pointers, A.J. Reeves with his career, uh, season-high 22 points, six threes. Providence hit 8 of 10 from three in the second half. That's not the Friars I know, John. No. Uh, no. Ed Cooley has not seen that this year, and neither has Greg McDermott, and they, you know, leave Providence with, with a you know, 73-56 loss. So a tale of two games for the Creighton, but an awful lot of Big East teams have had the same experience. If you have your questions about your team or the others that you follow in the league, send them to us. Hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag TWITBE. It's TwitB. Thanks to our Westwood One affiliate stations for tuning in every week to check us out. If you're on Sirius XM, welcome. It's an under-scope, microscope view of the Big East Conference, of course. If you're doing the podcast thing, as so many do, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Check us out on Spotify as well. Those are all our podcast partners this season. Also, make sure you leave a review if you can. We certainly would appreciate it. And you can listen online on BigEast.com and on WestwoodOneSports.com. This week, we'll get a check on recruiting temperatures from around the Big East, even in the midst of football signing day. Future hoops are not far away. And we'll visit with a former league coach who has his eyes fixed squarely on what it takes to emerge from the pack of battered and bruised but first, we'll put the spotlight on a head coach with his team squarely in this mix for the postseason, armed with one of the nation's preeminent players who simply can't miss much of the time. Marquette Steve Wojciechowski joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University. Be the difference. Big E Spotlight. Let his man go by. 41 for Marcus Howard. The poise and the patience is never easy to win on the road, but when you got a leader like that, Marcus Howard, you know you got some leadership. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. 
We watched a guy like Marquette's Marcus Howard this season sometimes score at will in all manners of shape and form, and few can consistently stop him or even slow him down. He's had a remarkable year, and as we've rolled into February, the Golden Eagles are finding Howard some help on the floor, which should make things tougher for teams that still have them on the schedule. Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski joins us this week in the Big East. Steve, honest question here. Do you sometimes find yourself just watching to see what Marcus can do next and maybe lose yourself a little bit in the moment, perhaps just in simple appreciation for who he is and what he can do? Well, certainly what he's done is incredible. And, and you know, I've tried to to take the approach, uh, you know, especially this year with this being his last year at Marquette, uh, to appreciate each day with him because what he's done not only this year, but throughout his career has been historical. And, you know, and, and sometimes unfairly to him, I think people have become numb to these unique performances that he seems to produce with regularity. Um, you know, I mean, he's got 10 plus 30 point games and, and Big East play. And again, I'm biased, but I think there's people that would back me up on this. You know, this the Big East this year is the best conference in the country. You know, to be quite frank with you, with the balance and competitiveness of it, I'm not sure it's really even that close. And Marcus is averaging close to 30 points a game in conference play. And you're talking about all the great coaches, great players, and familiarity that these people have with Marcus and our system. And he's still able to produce at a historical level. And... So I've not taken him for granted, but I do think in some respects he's been taken for granted and not, not necessarily in a conscious way, but people have become numb to, mm-hmm. oh, well, Marcus got 50. <laughs> oh, well, Marcus got 40. Oh, you know, he had a quiet 31 tonight. Like, right. shoot. Right. It would have taken me 22 games in my college career to get 32 po- 31 points. So, you know, I mean, he's just a very unique, very unique guy. Shoot, you, you stole my question, Coach. When was the last time you got 50 in a game? I mean, you're right. It, it, it took all of us forever. Uh, it, well, you know, and in, the, in my basement, my, when my son, my nine-year-old, I play one-on-one. I had 50 and he had 42. So I'm not sure if that counts, you know, towards your question, but. Uh, and that was about on a, a six foot rim. So uh, that's the last time I've gotten fifty. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a check mark for that. Uh, I like it. it. The one point you just brought up is he he's no surprise. These defenses and there's a lot of really good ones in the Big East. They gear for Marcus Howard. I'm I'm curious what you do as a coach to tweak what you guys do from game to game because I'm sure. You know, Xavier plays a different ball screen defense than Seton Hall, for example. Yeah, well, you know, obviously Marcus is in a lot of random ball screens in our offense, and and we try we try to play with tempo. And obviously, you're gonna um, you know have to defend a lot of ball screens when you play us. So some of those random ball screens, you know, they're hard to simulate in practice. Uh, however, teams know him and uh, players know him, and, and obviously he's got the respect of everyone and. Um, but we just try to put him in different positions where we can take advantage of how he's being guarded, um, not only to his benefit, but also to the benefit of his teammates. And that's one of the silent ways that he makes people better, you know. And, you know, I've heard this uh, absurd that, you know, Marcus shoots too much. 
you know, really, the, the game, we're not even one in games he scored 30 or more. So that's pretty darn good. You know, and I think most coaches in our conference would take that. Definitely. Steve Wojciechowski joining us here this week in the Big East. Steve, I'm curious what you guys got out of the win at Xavier, the double overtimer, when Marcus gets hurt and Sakar and Kobe really step up in the last six minutes of the game and in the two overtimes. Could you have drawn up a better situation for your team and your team's confidence? Well, I do think it helped. And, and you know, any time – that you have guys step up in key moments and, and high, highly pressure-packed situations. Uh, it, it gives them a reference point for for future times that they're going to be in those situations. You know, really, Kobe's been a pretty clutch player for us all season. I mean, if you look at uh, the metrics and, you know, guys scoring at the end of games, uh, even though Kobe hasn't shot as well as, uh, you know, he would have liked to over the course of the season, at the end of games, he's been really, really good. And Sakar is just one of those guys who, you know, for what one reason or another, has just kind of flown under the radar. But talk about, you know, what you'd want a college student athlete to be: mm-hmm. constant improvement, a dedication to the team, and when his name is called, he steps up to and answers the bell. You know, I was just going to kind of go there, Steve, only because I think it was a little over a week ago, and I think it was your game at Xavier where Marcus took that bump on the head, and then you had Kobe come back in and really lead that team to a win, a huge road win in a game that you know, clearly looked like you guys were struggling with. So it seems like he's now kind of expecting to sort of fill in that role, that help, knowing that, hey, we can't let Marcus be the only guy here. McEwen has definitely stepped up in that regard for you. Yeah, I think Kobe has, and then Sakar has as well. And, and, you know, Kobe's really made some big-time crunch time plays for us. And You know, obviously in the Big East, you're going to be in close games, and so free throws are critical. And, and, you know, he's to this point proven to be an outstanding free throw shooter and one that wants to be on the line in the most pressure-packed of situations, which as a coach certainly makes you feel good. And, you know, sometimes when a guy is, is stepping into a new situation, whether it's a grad transfer or whether it's a guy who sat out and is not, it takes a while for them to get their footing, you know, no matter how good they are. And it, at least in my experience, that's what it's been like. And, uh, you know, Kobe, you know, it took a while for him to find his footing, but I think he really has. And he's become one of the best on-ball defenders in our conference. Uh, he gives us a competitive fire. And he's he's made crunch time plays um, that have allowed us to have a a pretty good season to this point. Steve, I'm curious what uh, if this uh, bye week that you guys have had has come comes at a good time. You do host Butler, go to Villanova, and then have Creighton three top twenty five teams in a row. Is this a good break, mental break for your team? Well, I was having a good mental break until you just mentioned our schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So I appreciate that. So I appreciate that. A- anytime. anytime. No, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, this year, more than any, like, you, you look at your schedule, and, you know, there's never, never a point where you say, well, there's, well, that's, a, that's, that's not too bad of a three game schedule. Um, <laughs> no, you know, for us, we've been pretty banged up. And, uh, you know, we've not tried to make a big deal about it. But Greg Elliott, who, you know, early in the season was our top sub off the bench um, has been battling injury like he has you know throughout his career so trying to get back him to closer to being 
you know, able to contribute. Theo John's been bagged up the entire year. So we, you know, so we're trying to, you know, you, it's a, it's a fine line, you know, you want to use the time to get better. And certainly there's areas we need to get better at. Uh, but, you know, we, we got some guys playing heavy minutes and we got some guys that are, uh, are, are not close to a hundred percent, but you want to try to get them back to close to a hundred percent as you hit this stretch run. Steve, I'm wondering, because we, we, we laugh and we jest about the, the toughness of the schedule in the league, but is there a portion of the season that you really enjoy or that you look forward to? <laughs> uh, um, it, it, well, as a competitor, you look forward to it. Right. I mean, you know, does that make it easy? Uh, by no stretch of the imagination um, is it easy. I mean, conference play and Big East conference play in particular, is so unique with the double round robins and the familiarity and the, and you know generally teams keep guys for year after year so you see kids get better and develop and uh, I think there's a real good camaraderie amongst coaches and it's just it's just heated and competitive but at the same time there's a certain brotherhood to it as well so I mean that that part of it's fun. Um, but I'd be lying if I was if I was to say that's not real stressful as well. <laughs> that's Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski. Next up, who's hot besides Marcus Howard? That is who gets the props. Who should we watch out for this weekend? That's next this week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot this week in the Big East? Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives, and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep, and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American development model to prevent overuse injuries. Whew. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. Who's hot? It's got to be Gillespie or Bay for three. Don't settle deep. Five. Baldwin. Step back for the win. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Let's start with the Big East Player of the Week. We talked a little bit earlier, Kevin, about Xavier. Tyreek Jones has been a monster inside. 16 points and 16 and a half rebounds with two and a half blocks. Shot 78% from the field for the Musketeers last week. Whoa. And then 18 more rebounds in a win 
against DePaul to make it two in a row. Yep. Uh, really uh, playing as well as any interior player in the country. 6-9 forward, 13 points, 15 boards, and a double overtime loss to Marquette as well. So it sounds to me like um, Tyreek Jones is getting it going. The Big East Freshman of the Week, Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova, 13 points, game-high 14 rebounds and a 20-point win at St. John's, had 10 more rebounds and a loss to Creighton. But for the season, the uh, rookie is averaging 11 points, and he's fourth in the league in rebounding at just under 10 per game. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I- I- indispensable. You know, he actually had one, an off game in uh, this week's loss, really a great, great game at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, just shows, you know, Villanova needs Robinson Earl, only a freshman, every game in order to be big time. How about this tidbit? He now ties former Seton Hall star Eddie Griffin, remember him back in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. as a four-time consecutive Freshman of the Week winner. So there you go. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, you, you remember him, right? He was pretty good. He won five in a row one time, so he's got a shot at that, I guess. On the honor roll this week, Sean McDermott from Butler. He tied a career high with seven threes, got 25 points in a win at Georgetown, also had 10 points more and seven boards in a loss to Providence. Tyshawn Alexander from Creighton uh, in the 15-point win at Villanova. He was the only player with a double-double at 16 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, Javon Blair, Georgetown, had a career-high 23 to help the Hoyas rally from 17 down to beat St. John's at the Garden. Marcus Howard, broken record time, 24.5 points, 3.5 assists, and a 2-0 week, including his 10th 30-point game of the season. And Luan Pipkins from Providence, the uh, graduate transfer from UMass, had 22 and hit 10 of 10 from the line in a road win for the Friars at Butler. Two things there. Uh, First of all, Luan Pipkins, he's like Dennis Eckersley, Mariano Rivera. He's a closer. Get get him the ball down the stretch. He'll knock him in. He's missed one free throw all, all season. season. He's very close, though. Right now, he still leads the Big East in free throw shooting at 98% for the line. But you got to make two per game to stay on the active list. So he's getting close to getting knocked off that list. Ed Cooley. Get him, get get him, him to the line, get him, coach. Get him to the line. And Sean McDermott, you know, just, just a vital, vital player in, in this week's win over Villanova, McDermott had 21 points. He's, he's the uh, Batman to Kamar Baldwin's Robin. All right, we should mention, in case you missed it, Villanova's Sadiq Bay this week. Mm-hmm. He had two big threes in the final minute for the Wildcats before Kamar Baldwin's heroics then won the game at the buzzer Wednesday night uh, for Butler. But Sadiq Bay, even though he wasn't on the list this week, uh, I mean, the guy's an all-league player. Sadiq Bay and Colin, you know, uh, Gillespie, yeah. uh, 29 for Bay, 28 for Gillespie. Gillespie yeah. You know, those two guys, you know, the combination of those two and Robinson Earl make Villanova go. The, the, the question is, is do they need more guys to step up a little more consistently? As you said, Villanova doesn't lose back-to-back Big East games no. often. They actually lost three in a row last season, but this does not happen. And, uh, you know, now they have Seton Hall right. in, in just – probably the game of the year on Saturday. So really interesting point in time for the Wildcats. Marcus Howard needs 39 more points to become the all-time Big East scoring leader in conference play. He's 21 behind former Boston College star Troy Bell. Ex-Syracuse stud Lawrence Moten is still at the top for now. The Golden Eagles play Butler in Milwaukee Saturday. Marcus Howard, what what more can we say? He's clearly going to get the – you know, the, the scoring mark at some point. But I guess the question is, can he do 39 points in one game or two? I, I don't like it lasting beyond two games, John. I would say Butler defensively might have something to say with that, you know, for Saturday. But we'll see. Nothing's impossible. We've seen some extraordinary things from a lot of players, and he's one of them. As Wojo just said, we take 39-point 
games by Marcus Howard for granted. For granted it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. All right, let's take a, look, a turn now with an eye toward the future and get a sneak peek at the recruiting class of 2020. Evan Daniels is the recruiting director for 24-7 Sports. He'll tell us who to have our eyes on next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. At Creighton University, our academic programs are recognized nationally for excellence and innovation. Creighton's outstanding undergraduate research opportunities, internships, and clinicals provide students with a chance to explore, create, and discover new knowledge. With business, law, healthcare, and multiple degree options in the arts and sciences, you will leave Creighton ready to begin your career. And our students form a passionate community ready to contribute something meaningful to the world. While in college and after graduation, visit Creighton. Creighton.edu to learn more about the Creighton experience. Big East Focus. Long inbound comes into DJ. He's all alone. Hammer slam for the exclamation point. Great play called by Greg McDermott. It's a 13-point game, 68 seconds left, and the Cat fans start to head for the exits. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. So we know it was National Football Signing Day this week around the country. So we're thinking, well, what's going on in the hoop recruiting world since we're all sort of tuned into that beat. Evan Daniels has covered that for 24-7 Sports. He's also a FS1 College basketball insider. He joins us this week in the Big East. Evan, let's start with some basics here. If I'm a fan of one of the Big East teams in particular, what's the next date and time frame I kind of need to be concerned with on the calendar where recruiting is concerned? Well, the, the biggest dates was a couple months ago in, in November when guys could sign. There, there's a spring signing period, fellas, but uh, it's not as important or um, you know valuable to these teams as the initial one. Uh, the guys that usually wait that long, they you know they don't even actually have to sign the second time around. Um, so I, I would I don't know that I point to a specific date, um, but there are certainly a lot of teams, not just in the Big East, but everywhere that are looking to fill out roster spots and and trying to find guys late in the season. Um, so that's a focus for a number of teams. Evan, it looks like uh, you like Marquette. Xavier and Butler as the early winners in uh, in recruiting around the league. If you don't mind hitting a little bit on all three classes uh, thus far. Yeah, Marquette is, um, it, they put together a really good class, and Dawson Garcia is the guy that, that leads the way uh, for that group. He's the best incoming freshman in the entire um, Big East. He's a, a kid at 6'11 that can, uh, he's got perimeter skills, but he can play inside and out. Um, that whole class is good. Steve Wojciechowski told me that he wanted to add versatility, uh, and Garcia is an inside and out guy. Osasare Igodara, which is a mouthful to say, is a wow. late bloomer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a late bloomer, long, lean, athletic, mobile. And then Justin Lewis is a productive rebounder that can face up and make shots. Um, Xavier's recruiting class is very solid. Uh, the thing Travis Steele told me about that group is when Xavier has had on-court success, uh, they've had guys that won in high school. So his thought process was, I need to go out and recruit some winners. Well, Dwan Odom, C.J. Wilcher, and Colby Jones have all won state championships. Dwan Odom's a top 50 player. He's six foot one, strong, tough, physical, fast, athletic, plays really well in an up-tempo system, can really guard. Where Wilcher is more of a shot maker from distance with plus size, and Colby Jones is an intangible guy, a guy that can score, he can rebound, he plays hard, he can guard. Um, I, I think it's a really good group for, for, for Xavier, um, and it's, it, it's ranked two in the Big East and number 15 nationally. And then Butler's five-man class, 
Laval Jordan really wanted to and, and focused on uh, ramping up his perimeter because he's going to lose uh, his star, Kamar Baldwin, in the offseason. So he needed to go get some guards, and he did that in uh, Chuck Harris and Miles Tate, uh, both top 150-level guards. Harris is a physical specimen, great size, strong, long arms, can really facilitate pass and guard. Where Tate's a little different, he's a little smaller, uh, he's wired, got a wiry build. He's quick off the bounce, but he can really shoot the ball. Uh, and then they've got a handful of other guys, and that class is ranked 30 overall. Evan Daniels, National Recruiting Director for 247sports.com and Fox Sports 1 College Basketball Insider with us this week in the Big East. Evan, we've mentioned now and already identified now Marquette, Xavier, and Butler is probably the top three classes as of now. What teams on the outside of that three looking in that could do some late damage based on what you're hearing thus far? Is there anybody that kind of lying, waiting for a, a commitment or two? Well, I, I, I would probably say that it kind of just happened. Georgetown picked up a, a guy that's emerging in senior season, Tyler Beard, last week. Uh, he's a kid out of Whitney Young, six foot two, fast, athletic, can guard, facilitate, pass, distribute. Um, so Georgetown added a, a, a guy that's that's really emerged during his senior season. I don't know of any other commitments uh, that are imminent, uh, but I've talked to a number of guys, uh, including Travis Steele, Xavier, and, and Jay Wright's mentioned this in the past. Like, you know, they're 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 looking to gag guys late. They might potentially even look a transfer route. Sure, yeah, I would think that would be big. Yeah, I was just going to say that. So many coaches that I talk to, they say, well, you know, we like this guy, you know, out at some high school, but boy, that transfer market's going to be so busy. And maybe that's a good question for for you, Evan. You know, when you're managing uh, a roster for, for coming years, do coaches hold out and they say, well, I want a point guard, but I really want an experienced point guard and would rather get that maybe on the transfer market? You know, nowadays you almost have to save a spot because of how valuable uh, the transfer market has become. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an area that coaches have to almost adjust their recruiting to because there's so many guys transferring year after year and the graduate transfers – you know, you can get a plug-and-play guy with experience and has the ability to, to step in and help your team. So uh, I, I think it's it's certainly an area that these coaches have adjusted in their recruiting styles. And, you know, sometimes that experience can, can really help. All right, so if you're looking for experience one way or the other for a coach and the way that the, the transfer portal seems to continually grow every year, do we see this maxing out? Do we see this rule changing? What are your thoughts on, on that particular possibility? Um, it's certainly possible. Um, I would just be speculating, honestly. You know, I, I think that there's a group of coaches that are, that like the graduate transfer. There's obviously it's been better for high majors than low and mid. I think in some scenarios that it's really crushed them. But then you look at a league like uh, the Ivy League, where kids can't play when they're in postgraduate school. So if you, you know, you can go through at the beginning of the season and figure out which guys won't be able to play. Uh, in the Ivy League next year, and, and we're seeing that happen with a handful of guys in that league. Uh, as of now, I think guys are just trying to take advantage of it, and we'll see what happens with the role. Evan, uh, Connecticut is now recruiting to be a Big East member. I know that they've signed two players. Uh, how much of an impact has Dan Hurley and his staff had with uh, with the Big East label now? Well, I think it's certainly helping, and I think Dan Hurley was always going to have success at Connecticut, but when you can you, when you can move into a league that's a higher profile, where it's competitive every night out, where it fits them to a T in terms of their opponents, uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. They've got two commitments uh, in that 2020 class. 
uh, Andre Jackson, who is one of the best athletes in the entire country, and, and I mean a world-class athlete. He has that type of leaping ability. He's got a lot of potential as a defender. He's got good vision and can really pass. And then Javante Ferguson's uh, a big kid from Canada, uh, six foot eleven. That's going to be able to help their interior. So I, I think that move is certainly going to help them uh, in, in recruiting, and I think it really already has. Thanks to twenty four seven Sports and FS One's Evan Daniels. From here, the national perspective is next, and perspective you'll get from a former coach who led two current Big East programs, now playing his trade for CBS. Pete Gillen joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The Providence College experience, rooted in academic excellence, shared values, and an uncommon sense of community is both unique and exceptional. A premier Catholic liberal arts college, PC has 3,900 undergraduate students, a dynamic, engaged community, and a great location just minutes from downtown Providence. With pride in its heritage, Providence College looks forward to a bright future. Learn more at Providence.edu. The National Perspective. Gillespie gives it off to Moore, goes right back to Gillespie on the left wing. Double team momentarily. Gillespie is going to raise up for a deep three and nail it a swish from the left wing. Great start on the road tonight. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. The league is getting tighter around the waistline almost as we speak. And as the calendar creeps a little bit closer to March, we might think the battles are fun. The results, interesting, of course, but what does a coach in this league think about the night-in, night-out grind to get a win? Former Xavier and Providence head coach Pete Gillen, who now calls the games for the CBS Sports Network, he joins us this week in the Big East. Pete, you remember those days, don't you? Can you tell us what it was like to step out of, say, Villanova and into, oh, I don't know, Seton Hall from one game to the next? It was brutal, brutal, uh... Back then, it was 18 games in the Big East, and we were going against Coach Jim Beheim from Syracuse and Calhoun from Connecticut, Big John Thompson from Georgetown. It was murderous row, you know. So at the end of the year, I never, I'm not very good looking. I look like I got hit with a fungal bat. I had botches all over my face, I had, you know, blisters on my, no sleeping, you're hitching, you're twitching. You're bleeding from the eye, so it is very challenging for sure. I do remember, Coach, you used to sweat through your jackets profusely. <laughs> yes, I did. I was. Second team all sweater. I, I couldn't sweat. You know, Gary Williams, you know, when I was in the ACC, I couldn't out-sweat him. I tried, but he was a better sweater than me. But I, I could sweat pretty good. I had nice suits, but uh, at the end of the day, the suits kind of got wrinkled, you know, so they didn't look real good. But, uh, yeah, I used to sweat a lot. Uh, you know, I, I make coffee nervous, so I, I sweat a lot. I, I think the, the modern-day version of Pete Gillen sweating, maybe maybe Steve Wojciechowski, who we, we had on uh, this week's show, uh, Coach, I, I'm curious, if, from game to game, so, you know, you have UConn at Gamble Pavilion, and then you go into the Carrier Dome, you know, four days later. Uh, how do you handle that with your kids? Everyone says, you know, you, you got to stay focused one game at a time, and then do you, do you flip the switch that quickly on to the next one? What, as a coaching staff, how did you handle that? Yeah, you had to flip the switch, Kevin, but you had to get your rest. You know, when the season, the games are so grueling, so physical, so mentally draining, emotionally draining. You know, you had to get the guys back in there. So you, you know, you, you make sure you, you didn't practice too long. You told, hey, you got to stay hydrated. Make sure you have plenty of water and Gatorade and get your rest. Uh, that was a big thing because the games were so intense, so physical, you know, and so brutal. Uh, and I'm, I know that way this year also in the Big East is that way. So you, you got to balance everything, you know, and, and uh, you have to be laser focused. I mean, the Big East is amazing. I guess I, I get. Four teams tied for third, and uh, so it's a 
it's a great league this year, and, and uh, you know, at any minute you can go on a three-game winning streak or a three-game losing streak. How do you balance that out, Coach? In other words, knowing that maybe you need that three-game winning streak to get back in the mix, and I'm talking specifically about those teams that are all tied for third. They need a little help at some point in time, and yet you know that you're precariously hanging on the balance here to that three-game losing streak. How do you how do you keep your sanity during the season? It's difficult. Uh, it is difficult. You just got to, you know, one game at a time. Let's worry about this game. Let's, hey, let's not worry about Villanova, you know, in a week. Let's worry about, hey, let's not go off Georgetown. Let's not go off St. John's. It just, that's, you know, the kids have to really, you know, buy into what the coach is saying. They have to listen to him. You know, they can't, you know, be distracted or worrying about on the phone or what concerts next week downtown. You know, you, you got to keep reminding them. You got to coach attitude every day, coach focus and hey you want where we want to go we want to go to the big dance we get there we can make a big run so you, you, you're constantly selling them i mean remember one year at xavier when i was there we were my second year i think it was and we weren't we lost like four starters from last year we had a great player in byron larkin and uh, I, I said hey we're gonna get to the tournament we're gonna do some damage you know and they're looking at me we're like they're eight and six i said hey we're gonna get there and you know, i kept selling them and if the coach believes it and then the players will believe it. They, they reflect the coach very often. And I know Ed Cooley's a great coach. He's a wonderful motivator. So I think the Flyers are going to get back to the big dance. I think they're going to make a run. And they're going to get back in there. Well, Coach, your team back in 1990 at Xavier certainly bought in and believed. You, you had two great uh, inside guides, uh, guys, and you went on really one of the great runs in Xavier history uh, with wins over Kansas State and Georgetown. Georgetown had a couple, two pretty good players in Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo. I understand Xavier's going to celebrate uh, and remember that great run uh, this weekend before their game against Providence. Uh, obviously, that's got to be one of the highlights of your, your you know, great coaching career. No question, Kevin. Uh, we had a great team. As you mentioned, Tyrone Hill was a great player, 6'9", about 240. He was a lottery pick uh, by you know, uh, Don Nelson from the Golden State Warriors. I think he was the 11th pick uh, that year in 1990. Derek Strong was second-round pick. He was about 6'8", 6'9", from California. Uh, it was a terrific big guy. So we had one of the best inside tandems in the country. And then we went against the best inside tandem with Alonzo Mourning at the Kembe Matumbo. We were fortunate. Uh, we played his own. We played hands up Harry's own, Kevin and John. We just put our hands up and yelled, Harry, Harry, every time they shot. And then they started making them. We said, all right, hands up, Barry. So hands up, Barry, Barry. And then we said, hands up, Larry. So we were fortunate. We, we won. Uh, believe it or not, Kevin, uh, we fouled them. We're up three with about maybe 18 seconds ago, we fouled them twice. Once with 11 seconds ago, all right, they made the two free throws, so we're still up three. We get it to our best free throw shooter. He made it. We fouled them again with about 3.9, and this time they missed the front of the one-on-one. We won by three, but uh, I'm a little bit, you know, eccentric with fouling, you know, up three. You know, I foul a lot earlier than anybody in the country, you know, with maybe 10, 11 seconds ago. I don't want to let anybody have a chance to tie it with a three down the end. So, it was a great win for us, and it was the first time Xavier ever made the Sweet 16 in 1990 when we beat Georgetown. So they're honoring our team on Saturday when they, they play the Friars. And I wish I could be there, but I'm working. Uh, my family's still spending, so i got to keep working uh, with TBS Sports Network. <laughs> so I imagine you had the rosary beads from that old-school uh, holy altar, those <laughs> – those nuns back in uh, back in Brooklyn, they taught you well, Coach? I was playing a lot. You got that right, Kevin. I mean, it was a, we were fortunate. Once again, they had a great team, Georgetown, and uh, they didn't know where Xavier was. They didn't know, you know, the players. The coaches did, of course, but the players, where's Xavier? Uh, you guys uh, in Connecticut, New Jersey, Exover, exactly. Well, 
after the game, they knew where Xavier was, and we beat him. Coach, uh, we go from 1990 in Xavier to moving on to Providence. You had a heck of a run in 1997 as well with the Friars all the way to the Elite Eight where you lost to the eventual national champions in Arizona that year. What about that time frame, not only in your career, but maybe uh, relating that to time frame in the Big East Conference stands out to you today more than 20 years later? Well, once again, it was a brutal conference that we mentioned before, going against those great coaches, the Hall of Fame guys with Bangheim and uh, you know, Calhoun and uh, Big John Thompson. Uh, so we were like maybe fifth or sixth in the league. But, you know, we were very good. We were talented. We had to get everybody on the same page. We had God Chamgard from New York City, right? And we had Austin Crozier, you know, from out in California, you know, uh, out there. So, uh, you know, getting everybody on the same page wasn't easy. But <clears throat> when we were on the same page, we were pretty good. So, you know, we we had to win two games, I believe, in the Big East tournament, Kevin, just to get in. Mm-hmm. I, I know we beat West Virginia. I forget who we beat in the first round. And, uh, uh, then we played Marquette uh, there, and uh, we had a great closure. I think had 39 points. He hit like a half court shot, right? You know, so uh, we beat them, and they were a great defensive team. But we we beat them by 18 to 20. Uh, and that was a great win. Then we played Duke. They said it was a, a neutral court in Charlotte. I said, well, I don't know about that. There's a lot of blue and white there, and uh, uh, they had Wojo, the Marquette coach, and uh, I talked to him about that game last year. You know, and he says. Uh, this guy, you know, we knew he had good plays, but Derek Brown, they said, oh, my God. They couldn't believe him. He had like 31, 32 points. Now, he wasn't sure where Duke was located, but he, he can get to the rim. Uh, Mike <laughs> Brown was, was great, and uh, Sham Gunn had a great game. He battled with Wojo. Wojo tried to knock him on the ground early in the game, chest him, and Sham was great. And Crozier, I think, had 21. So, you know, Jamel Thomas was terrific. So, it was a great win. Uh, it was a great, great team there in 97, and we were honored. As you know, Kevin was there. Um, a few years ago, they honored our team in the Elite Eight. Right. Um, and I, that was that was a lot of fun seeing everybody come back. But that was a special team. Uh, and uh, if I had had a bounce play, it would have been in the Final Four. Where, as you know, 3.9 seconds to go, high <laughs> score. You know, you know, I had no timeouts, Kevin. Hard to believe, but I had none left. And they, <laughs> right. 3.9 to go, Lute Olsen called a timeout. I said, thank you, Lute. So the five young men come over. And they're all saying, hey, you're the man, you're the man. We got all the girls in Rhode Island. We got dates. I was going crazy. It took me a minute to calm them down. And then we, uh, Crozier, unfortunately, had fouled out. And, you know, we ran a play and we got it to Corey Wright. He was our third object. I said, Corey, if you get it, penetrate and kick 3.9 seconds. You can run around the building three times before you have to shoot. But he shot it, and the ball, I think, is still embedded in the Birmingham Alameda Coliseum ceiling, the brick. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, they, Mike Bibby and Miles Simon and, uh, Jason Terry, who played in the NBA for a long time, along with Bibby and Dickinson, they, they beat us by four. So I, I only think about that play, Kevin, every eight days. So other than that, I'm, I'm okay psychologically. Pete Gillen, by way of Xavier and Providence, calling him now as he sees him with the CBS Sports Network. Who's got next? The big games coming up on the horizon are next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom, where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves, where passion meets purpose, where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at Xavier.edu. Who's got next this week in the Big East? As Seton Hall 
is going to get back in the win column following that loss against Xavier on Saturday. Kevin Willard's crew come in, comes into D.C. and gets the job done 78-71. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. Saturday's schedule this week features a lot of opportunity for the middle of the pack and the lower third as well to do some damage. St. John's is at Creighton. Providence plays at Xavier in the first meeting this season between those two teams. And at the top of the heap, Seton Hall playing at Villanova. I'd say that's a marquee matchup, Kevin. I think the whole country will be watching Seton Hall in their first of two matchups uh, at Villanova. Right. And Villanova comes in losing two in a row, so I would say they definitely need to win. You know, I'd be curious to see what the people think about Villanova. They're an interesting team, uh, probably not on the one or two lines, but you'd like to think that Villanova can stay in the top four. And interestingly, John, I believe that day the NCA is coming out with its top 16 that right. they released that mid-season look. Do, yeah. uh, I expect to see both Seton Hall and Villanova in that mix, and, and Butler for that matter. Butler certainly got a shot at it. Sunday we're going to put a spotlight on those Butler Bulldogs. They'll play at Pfizer Forum against Marquette in Milwaukee. Then next Wednesday, four games to wet your whistle. Providence at St. John's, Xavier at Butler, Creighton at Seton Hall, Marquette playing at Villanova. Whoa. Whoa. I like Creighton at Seton Hall. We just discussed Seton Hall. I, you know, maybe these two games back to back at Villanova and then hosting Creighton. If they can win two in a row, I'd say they're still in the mix for a one seed. If they were to maybe even lose one, if not two, that that would end their chances. I think at a one seed. All right. Here's the home team update for you: twenty-seven and twenty-three through six weeks. But home teams have only won three of nine over the past nine games. So all of a sudden it's become tougher to defend the fort, as it seems it has been all season long. You just scratch your head, and I guess it, it just speaks to the balance, and we, we say this week after week, but you know, at some point wouldn't you think that these really good teams can defend the home court? College basketball, it's supposed to be about the home court. Crazy. It's just not the case in the Big East this season. No. So as we now have turned the corner, still five, six teams, postseason mix. Are we looking at that, you think? Well, I think it's extending now a little bit because both Xavier and Providence have played their way into the mix. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we you know, you got to sleep well if you're Seton Hall, Villanova, Creighton, Marquette, and Butler. Butler. Those five, uh, I, again, I think both Xavier and Providence, they're knocking on the door. Our thanks this week to Marquette's Steve Wojciechowski. 24-7 Sports and FS1's Evan Daniels and CBS Sports Network's Pete Gillen for joining us this week. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations from Butler, Providence, Xavier for their assistance this week. And thanks to our producer Kevin Collins, associate producer Matt Morell, our facilities assistants from WGAO in Franklin, Massachusetts, and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 Big East member institutions. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster, at Kevin McNamara 33 And be sure to use that hashtag, TWITBE, T-W-I-T-B-E. We will be here again same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools, Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.